We continue here on the Sports Block Podcast, the NFL Mock Draft Extraordinaire uh, version and of our podcast. It's one of the best ones, best shows that we do all year, and one of the best in the business. Kind enough to join us again, Jeff Lloyd II from the Lockdown Browns Podcast. Jeff, the time is here. We say it every year. It's always so exciting. Twenty, you know, we're we're closing in on this thing here. What are your overall uh, thoughts, expectations for the the chaos that we're about to ensue upon here Thursday night? If you're a true fan of the NFL draft, this is probably a draft you're going to love over the next few days. Um, you know, without a quarterback heavy class um, to dominate, you know, the early part of round one. It basically leaves everything on the table. And, you know, you have other scenarios where this is a draft where you don't really have teams necessarily looking to trade up. Um, you know, a team like Jacksonville, this would maybe be the year you would be screaming and hoping that maybe the Jets, who hold four and 10, or the Giants, who hold five and seven, would be looking to move north in this draft. That's not going to be the case. Um, you look at a team like Detroit, who played tough last year. They hold picks, thir- uh, they hold picks two, 32, and 34. There's an opportunity for the Detroit Lions to maybe get drastically better. You know, Houston Texans with picks pick uh, picks three and thirteen. Here's a team. Obviously, you know Deshaun Watson was not a part of their team last year. Um, you're looking to turn the corner, turn the page as a franchise. Uh, and whatever you thought about the Texans as a whole, you know they were a perennial playoff team for about a four or five year stretch. Um, you know, then there's other teams where you know this might be the year they truly need a quarterback, but there's not really one maybe available that you know maybe they think they you know can feel comfortable with banking on in the top ten. So this is going to be a really really interesting draft, and you know as far as mock drafts are concerned, and I know that you know it's always a big thing every year between all the NFL pundits about who maybe had most accurate mock draft. Um, I think this year's winner will probably probably have the lowest score out of every, any winner over maybe the last decade or so. Absolutely, because just the uncertainty of this draft, it's probably the most uncertain that any of us have ever been about an NFL draft leading up to it because you don't have those quarterbacks, because of the... You know how good maybe some of these edge rushers are and the offensive tackles and one team's board might be completely different or how they rank a player. We just have absolutely no idea and the smoke screens are coming out from all 32 teams at this point. The uncertainty level here is at an all-time high when it comes to the NFL draft this year, more so than ever that I can remember. There's no question about it. Um, you know, and you you look at the amount of activity we saw on free agency, the amount of activity we saw as far as major players being traded this offseason in the NFL. It kind of led you all up to this. I mean, it's not to say that this is a bad draft class by any means. Um, usually a draft class is defined by the quarterback position. You know, this year, obviously, vastly, vastly different. Um, but you look at positions, you know, like defensive end, you look at offensive tackle. Um, you know, as this draft goes on later, tight ends, great class. It's a good, good safety class. But usually NFL, any NFL draft is usually, you know, contingent upon the quarterback group. And this year it's just obviously, you know, very, very lacking. Maybe going back to maybe the EJ Manuel year mm-hmm. is, you know, about as low of a class as we have this year at the quarterback position. We have eight teams with multiple draft picks this year, and it seems hard to envision someone trying to trade up into the top three for, for sure. There doesn't seem to be a lot of... Uh, traffic or a lot of uh, um, conversation about trying to trade up that high. But I think certainly some of these teams with multiple picks, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Green Bay Packers, uh, heck, maybe even the Houston Texans might try and and do something to, to get up the board here a little bit and, and snag a player that they need if they can't get to it at, at their spot. So I'm looking primarily at Green Bay and Kansas City when I say that. It's possible, but I mean, you think about Green Bay, um, you know, obviously, you know, you have a huge, huge issue with the loss of Devontae Adams, but this is a team that, you know, lost their first playoff game last year at home. Granted, they had to buy, mm-hmm. so obviously there's issues with that team on the defensive side of the ball. The Kansas City Chiefs, I don't care what anybody says, and I don't care about the money that Tyree Kill uh, ended up getting. You look at that team, and you wonder why Kelsey was such a playmaker. You wonder why their running game succeeded as well as it did. And none of this is you know, to try and slight Patrick Mahomes at all. But Tyree Kill was the type of player on the Kansas City Chiefs that scared the living death out of you if you were on the defensive side of the ball. 
And you are not going, you know, are there players in this draft who are fast? Are there players who are versatile at the wide receiver position that maybe you can do some jet sweeps with? Yes. But you don't go out and just find somebody else to give you the role that Tyreek Hill gave the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm -hmm. So having those two selections is great. You know, can they parlay those, you know, two picks to get up high enough to get a player like Jamison Williams? I don't think so. And the other thing is, you know, if you're a team in those positions, you know, uh, are you really going to be in that much of a hurry to assist a team like the Kansas City Chiefs yeah, after they way. maybe made a move that lessened how good of a team they are? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, you're, you're, you're not going to because the Kansas City Chiefs are what you strive to emulate. And I think you could kind of maybe see some of this coming, you know, when you give a half a billion dollars to a quarterback like the Kansas City Chiefs have with Patrick Mahomes. Let's get into this, though, here, because it's going to be fun. At number one, the Jacksonville Jaguars here. Who do you have them taking? There was, you know, thoughts all over the place. You know, maybe it was going to be offensive tackle. Um, Cam Robinson uh, signs this morning, uh, agrees to a long-term deal to remain in Jacksonville. Um, Are there better tackles in this class, in my opinion, than Cam Robinson? Yes. Um, But if you were the Jaguars... How is improve? How is that improving your team just by bringing another offensive lineman with the thought process of moving on from Cam Robinson next year? So it solidifies defensive end. Um, is Aiden Hutchinson the best player in this draft? He probably is. In many other years, would we be talking about Aiden Hutchinson as a top three, top five selection? Maybe a few years, top three, maybe closer to a top five player. Jacksonville Jaguars are going to take Trayvon Walker. They are going to take him out of Georgia. The athletic testing has absolutely wowed them. I think they like the fact that he brings versatility. He can play outside early, you know, early downs, first, second. You can kick him inside and have him rush the passer, you know, in second and long, third and long, obvious situations. It's not the most enviable, enviable position to be in for the Jacksonville Jaguars, but they feel like they're getting a player who is on the rise. Um, he is shown to be able to play within a defensive unit. Obviously, Georgia was loaded and has continued to be loaded at the, at, on the defensive side of the ball. They are going to go with the outlayer here. They are going to go with Trayvon Walker, who they the you know, most athletic big man in this draft at the defensive line position. And you know they're going to have to have some patience with him. Um, you know nobody's going to be mistaking Trayvon Walker for Miles Garrett anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But that is certainly going to be the direction the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to head tomorrow night. Are you surprised by, not going to say the meteoric rise, but just how high Walker has come? Because in initial mock drafts, even like after the season, he was projected to be like late first round, and now all of a sudden he's getting to number one without even having to play another game. I get, you know, the, the, the scouting combine, you see if you can do well in these tests and the measurables and everything, but are you surprised with just how high he's been able to rise without even having to play a game, really? It depends if you're what team you are and how you're viewing this. If you were a team that feels like you're already contention, you know this is a gamble, you know, a luxury you can't afford to take. Jacksonville, they just need they need bodies, and you know the fact that you there is you know a decent amount of you know footage of Trayvon Walker playing on the outside that you can go by, and you can say, all right, well, we got to work on this, we got to work on this, hopefully we can prove him there. The fact that we can kick him inside when we want to certainly is a scenario that we like. Um, they just need him to come in and be a good player. Uh, again, this is you know this is a draft class that does not ha- technically have a number one overall player. They need Trayvon Walker to come in. They need him to contribute. They need him to be consistent. Um, if the Jaguars go into this with the thought process of, you know, they have the next top defensive end in the NFL, it's going to certainly fall short. If they're going to go into this process with, we, we have a really solid player here who we think is going to be better in year two, in year three than he is in year one, then the Jaguars would be more than okay with it. So Trayvon Walker to the Jaguars. I feel like if Aiden Hutchinson were to go number one, then that maybe makes number the the number two pick for the Lions a little more, I guess, suspenseful because maybe they are enamored with uh, Malik Willis and want to go the quarterback route here. But I feel like Hutchinson on the board, University of Michigan guy, that the Lions are going to run up and and take Hutchinson. Do you agree, or who who do you have the Lions going with? I agree with you. The, the Lions actually are in a, in a you know very nice scenario here with pick two, with pick thirty two, and with pick thirty four. Uh, so they are in a situation here where even if they want to take a quarterback, they could get him at thirty two. They most likely can get him at thirty four. Um, thirty two looks more and and obviously giving you the fifth year option. But defensively, they need 
players on the defensive side of the ball. Their defense played hard last year. A lot of games they hung into the fourth quarter, just didn't basically have the guys to you know basically close games out. Um, when the Jaguars are going to pull this off and take Trayvon Walker, they basically drop Aiden Hutchinson in the Detroit Lions' lap. Mm-hmm. Certainly it looks good from a local flavor standpoint. Maybe he can get a couple more asses in the seat, you know, maybe you know, getting some Michigan fans to come to some Lions games. But you get yourself a consistent player on the outside. They have a good offensive line. They have, you know, some players at the wide receiver position who can make some plays. They have a good tight end. They run the ball pretty well. Now it's time to find and go get somebody who can be an established double-digit sack guy for you. And I think Aiden Hutchinson in that scenario for the Detroit Lions is going to be a really, really nice selection for them. Truth be told, I think he could be maybe the safest guy, too. He might not have as high of a ceiling as as Walker, but I think he's going to be the more consistent player, at least in terms of what you know you're going to get out of him game after game, year after year. That that moves us to the Texans at three. This is where you could have that first maybe a bit of a surprise. They've been linked to cornerback here, maybe offensive tackle, or do we get a third straight edge rusher here coming off the board? Um, look, it's Texas. Barbecue is loved. And if it's going to be barbecue, you're going to need a little sauce. Sauce Gardner is a special, <laughs> special player at the cornerback position. Um, it's rare that you find guys six foot three with his length who play the position the way he does. Um, you go to the, to the fact that he's not giving up a touchdown in college. I mean, it's just an insane, insane thing when you talk a player about his, you know, his, you know, his ilk. Um, yes, the fact that he only played at Cincinnati. Um, he certainly maybe gives you a tiny bit of pause and hesitation, um, but you saw him play obviously you know, in the playoffs last year. Uh, Sauce Gardner is in a, in a pretty good cornerback class. Sauce Gardner is special, and Houston needs to start establishing some new identity with uh, within that roster, within the community. You know, players that you know fans can fall in love with. Fans want to go see a training camp. Fans want to go see playing play, playing games. Sauce Gardner, it, it's going to be a, a really really nice spot for him. Houston quietly has put in some pretty good work this year in the offseason, uh, you know, building up that roster a little bit. Now you go out and you get yourself a true number one cornerback in a mod sauce gardener. Any any thought about Derek Stingley here? Because I've you know we've been hearing a little bit lately, or actually a lot this week, about how he is really jumping up the boards now. When it seemed like he was placed at twelve to Minnesota for so long, and now some people think he might be the first cornerback off the board. Is this all just a bunch of you know? smoke at this point a, a whole lot of buzz about nothing do you what do you expect do you like sauce gardner definitively being the first one or do you th- really think stingley could i think stingley is a talented talented cornerback um you know and we'll obviously we're going to get to him here in a little bit um he's he just doesn't have the size that sauce gardner does um sauce gardner in his career at cincinnati continued to get better as his career went on Derek Stinley, the best football we saw from him was his freshman year during the national championship run with Joe Burrow. Um, that always does not sit well with people in NFL front offices. You want to see players coming into the league at the at their absolute best. Um, you know, some questions about Derek Stinley was, you know, are, you know, was he comfortable? You know, and was it one of these situations where, you know, I, I don't want to do anything major. I don't want to hurt myself. I just want to get to the NFL. And it goes on all the time. We talk about players like this every single year. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as that Derek Stinley kind of just went down, you know, through his career at LSU, Sauce Gardner just continued to prove and just became a household name. And, you know, it, for me, if I'm tiering the quarterbacks, there is a tier one quarterback, the cornerback in Sauce Gardner, and then we will go right to tier two and begin from there. Sauce Gardner is handed alone for me at the cornerback position in this and, class. And as you said, Sauce Gardner, a perfect time to get maybe some endorsements if he's going down to Texas. It, to it already sounds like Sweet Baby Rays is the way he's looking to go because that go. came out today. So <laughs> There you go. For the New York Jets, another place where we could see a couple of different areas. A corner is certainly one, edge rusher, defensive end. Maybe they would go as high as number four if you get a wide receiver here. Where do you where do you like the Jets going? Um, the Jets are in a difficult situation, I think. I think ideally the Jets, if they could do this and handle these two picks at four and ten the way they wanted to, would probably go wide receiver and would probably go you know with an edge rusher here. Um, it appears, um, you know, depends on who you're listening to, Dane Brugler is one of them. It appears that maybe Mackay Becton and the Jets' relationship could be over. Um, you know, after two years, obviously Mackay Becton barely played last year for them. It was a really, really hot name after his rookie year in 2020. But if that's the case, then they're going to move over, you know, move on from Mackay Becton at some point this weekend. 
you you've got to get a left tackle. Uh, you know, you can't you know just you know basically you know find somebody to just stand out there for six or seventeen games while you have Zach Wilson in a very critical year too. So if this is going to be the case, then the Jets are going to have to move on from a Kai Beckton. It puts you in offensive tackle position here. Um, it'll start maybe a little bit of a run here. Um, you know, Akon Wu, obviously, from North Carolina State, is a great player. Uh, Charles Cross out of Mississippi State, another solid offensive tackle. Um, Evan Neal, and it was weird because of Ben Albright's mock draft today, he had him falling to the teens. There maybe were some questions with Evan Neal. Um, you know, whether it was his hip or something like that. Um, Evan Neal, I, I don't know how those questions really exist because you look at the guy, you know, six foot five, three hundred and thirty, and he looks like he's six three, two seventy. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no bad weight on him whatsoever. Um, so for the Jets, you know, you're gonna go Evan Neal here at number four overall. Um, you know, you'll recruit so you know, a pick somewhere along the line from Makai Becton. You still pick at ten, you still pick at thirty five, you'll have the Becton pick. You can find a way to satisfy some of your other needs here, but if it is you know the time that it is over with Mackay Becton, the Jets really get no position here where their hands are tied, and they probably really have to go off and tackle it for. Yeah, he is a chiseled individual for sure. There is very little body fat on him at all. The Giants now, and I think in a good spot, five and seven. I think there are a number of different ways they could go. I think they can come out the big winners in the first round at least if they can maybe get an offensive tackle and a defensive end. You have multiple guys available here. Where do you like the Giants going here at pick five? Well, when you get in this situation here where you still have the two uh, two of the top offensive tackles on the board, um, you know, obviously for the Giants, I truly think it'd be a question of are you going to go tackle edge, tackle corner? Me, I, I just don't think the Giants are going to be a team that's going to be interested in a guy like Derek Stingley Jr. Giants are still kind of old and antiquated in, in their thinking, so a player who you know maybe is not coming in the league at the top of his game is probably somebody that they're not going to have too much interest in. So the Giants here, you get this position. Let's get left tackle out of the way. We're still evaluating player in Daniel Jones. Um, if not, it's not Daniel Jones. At least we know that left tackle is not going to be the question anymore. So uh, Icky Wanwu uh, 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 out of North Carolina State comes in here for the Giants. This is a perfect selection for them. Um, you know, have decisions to make on Saquon Barkley going further. They have a lot of wide receivers in New York. They need Daniel Jones to be standing upright to at least have the ability to try and get the ball to these playmakers. So you go ahead and you bring in, you pencil in, uh, you know, Icky Akonwu here. You take Andrew Thomas. You kick him over to the right side, a player you drafted a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that's an offensive line where you can get a true evaluation out of a player like Daniel Jones. Carolina Panthers here at six. I think in some regards, this is potentially where you could get the real dominoes to start falling here in the draft because they've been linked to quarterback for so long. And now there's all this uh, conversation about maybe them going offensive tackle that they still like Sam Darnold. So Kenny Pickett might not be the pick here or Malik Willis or whatever. They don't have another pick until 137. They may try and trade down, but Carolina, if they stay put at six, where do you see them going? Yeah, I mean, for this, I mean, you know, obviously no trades done. And, you know, even with the thought process of just trying to match players to teams, um, you know, either the trades, you know, eventually would work themselves out. Um, you know, for Carolina sitting here at six, look, um, one of the worst things that happened to Carolina this year had nothing to do with them. It had to do with the fact that Tom Brady, after three weeks, said, you know what, enough of being home with my supermodel wife. I'm going to go back and play football. Mm-hmm. So what anybody in the NFC South, whatever you thought your thought process was going into this season, um, you know, you put together your, your plan early and then all of a sudden Tom Brady said, I'm coming back and made the phone calls to his boys. And everybody said, all right, well, then we're going back. And, it's, you know, the change, the landscape of the NFC South changed from a wide open division to basically closed and shut again after three weeks. Your Carolina, it's a difficult position here. You have Matt Rule. Matt Rule is a great coach. Matt Rule is in a position where the Panthers, the roster is not there yet. Um, They hold this selection pick number six. They hold selections 137 and later. Mm -hmm. You need more bodies in here. Um, You need to figure out the quarterback position. Um, Is Carolina in a position where they can say to Matt Rule, okay, draft a quarterback at six, and then guess what? They're sitting here a year from now with a quarterback who obviously didn't play so well. They're drafting in the top ten again, and most likely maybe Matt Rule's on his way out of the building. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, if they were to go acquire a player like Baker Mayfield, 
it's not going to cost them much in a draft pick. It's not. Pick 137 could get it done. Maybe even a pick later than that could get it done. The Browns understand they're in a position where they're not going to get much for them. Um, the Browns are in a position where they understand they're going to have to write a check to move on from Baker Mayfield. So basically, getting a player like Baker Mayfield for Carolina, it's going to be a gift because it's not going to cost you much in compensation. You're not going to have to pay much of that $18.9 million contract. So you might as well go offensive tackle here. Um you know, so they'll go Charles Cross out of Mississippi State, uh, a player that can be there for them for the foreseeable future at the left tackle position. Play this season out. You know, see if Matt Rule can get this team to eight and nine, nine and eight, enough where Matt Rule can get himself in the building for another year. Then maybe reload after a little bit more of a promising year, get some more bodies down to Carolina. But they're just in a tough position. They need players. They just don't have a lot of draft assets. Um, would they move, look to move out of six and maybe still find to get an offensive tackle somewhere? I'm sure they would, but this is a this is a draft where you know there's certain positions that teams will trade up for, mm-hmm. and that is cert- that's something that's not really in this draft. I mean, people love some of the wide receivers. I think when you look at these receivers and you say, "All right, well, four or five of them in the first round are really, really good." So why am I going to mortgage so much to go up to six to say I got the first one? Mm -hmm. So, you know, Carolina, they're in a position here where I think they'd like to get out of six. I don't think necessarily anybody's going to rush to come get it. Charles Cross, Mississippi State comes in. Giants at pick seven, uh, making their second first round selection. Who do you have the Giants taking again? This is one I, I don't have a lot of confidence in. The, t- the Giants making this selection for this player, but they need this player. They need an edge. They need a top sack guy in that team. And you look at Kayvon Thibodeau, obviously once taught maybe to be the number one overall player in this draft. Um, now here he is at seven. Um, the Giants need players on defense that can get after the quarterback. If you want to get past the Dallas Cowboys, you better get Zach Prescott to the ground. Um, if you want to get past the Philadelphia Eagles, you better find a way to you know corral and you know contain a player like Jalen Hurts. Kayvon Thibodeau sitting here. He's got great personality. I think he would absolutely slay it in New York. Obviously, this is a guy with a lot of plans for after football. I know that is probably turns off the front office like the New York Giants. Mm-hmm. But these guys who say these things and say they have plans after football, that's all well and good. But if you're just a mediocre average football player, your plans after football are limited. You know what I'm saying? You mm-hmm. need to be a star. You need to be a household name. A player like Kayvon Thibodeau going to New York um, you know, being a solid pass rusher, being a guy that can get you double-digit sacks, guy that can give you wow-factor plays in the backfield. Giants need a player like this, and maybe it's against the grain for what the New York Giants normally do, but they really need a player like Kayvon Thibodeau. Absolutely, and I think Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, falling here, I, I, and if he falls past seven, you're going to have a lot of teams that I would hope would be like, okay, we got to get him. Like, if he fell to Atlanta at eight, I think that would be a gift for the Falcons to be able to have a pass rusher like Thibodeau fall in their laps. And that leads us to Atlanta and the Falcons, again, another team that could go quarterback here. Uh, I think wide receiver is actually, you know, especially with everything they are dealing with with Calvin Ridley, they don't really have a number one guy. So, But they do need an edge rusher. Uh, they could use, you know, maybe the quarterback of the future now that Matt Ryan's gone and Marcus Mariota is in. So another team, I think, that their pick really changes how a lot of the, the draft may proceed, at least the picks right after them. So where do you like the Falcons going with pick eight? Well, And again, now we're getting back here to the NFC South. Now when you talk about the Falcons, this is a team here, when Tom Brady first originally announced his retirement, he said, you want to know what? With Matt Ryan, you know, we improve the offensive line a little bit, understanding he's not bowlable. We get a player or two in here on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe we can steal the NFC South. Three weeks later, Tom Brady again makes his announcement he's coming back. Falcons get to a point where, well, you know, what's six and nine, you know, what's, you know, six and 11 going to do? Mm-hmm. What's, you know, seven and 10 going to do? It's not going to do anything. I think, you know, for the Falcons here, I think they, they are not going to be taking a defensive end here, is not going to change the outlook of this team. They're going to need to be able to score some points to at least try and compete this year. They can score points, still not do very well, and probably put themselves in a much better position in 2023 to have an opportunity to go chase down what looks to be a much better quarterback class. Um, 
you know, you obviously you brought in the tight end last year and Kyle Pitts, solid player, solid selection. Looks like he's going to be a star, um, but you're going to need something else. You know, you don't have a lot in the running department. So uh, if I'm Atlanta, I go out and I get a Garrett Wilson. I think Garrett Wilson and Kyle Pitts can play well off of each other. You know, Wilson shows a lot of special things in the vertical game, allowing for the opportunity for Pitts to eat underneath. So if you're going to cover Pitts, Wilson will be open. You're going to cover Wilson. Pitts should be open. Garrett Wilson, I don't think it'll be a monster rookie year because Marcus Moriota obviously doesn't, you know, certainly doesn't have uh, fantasy people, you know, up and screaming to get any of the Atlanta skill players. But this is a guy you can get, get him acclimated to NFL game with Kyle Pitts. Then you get to year three of Kyle Pitts, year two of Garrett Wilson, and then you go find your next quarterback post Matt Ryan. Any thought, and I, I love that you went wide receiver here, and I think, you know, the, Wilson going, uh, Jameson Williams going, uh, Chris Olave, I mean, Drake London, any one of these four wide receivers are very, very good, and you really can't go wrong with them. Uh, I mean, Alabama or Atlanta has had success with Alabama wide receivers, thinking, you know, to Julio Jones and, and uh, isn't Calvin Ridley from Alabama? I believe he is now. Obviously, he's yes. going through some legal issues right now, or, you know, he's suspended for gambling and whatnot. But is there any consideration, do you think, that they might go back to that well, to the Alabama well, and go with Jamison Williams? Or is the ACL just a little too much for them to, to, um, to pick? Williams at pick eight. I, I think for Atlanta, it, it would make a lot of sense because if you're Atlanta and you probably hear that most likely this year is going to be a wash anyway, you're in no condition to rush him. Um, he can come back, you know, at you know slowly at his own pace. So I do think for Atlanta, it, it works because um, it also maybe works to what their plan would be as far as, you know, you know I don't want to say tanking, um, but as far as saying that maybe 2022 is not going to be our year, um, and you get in this position where, you know, you can get, in my opinion, the top wide receiver in this class, and you are in a position where injury-wise you're okay with it um, because it's not going to, you know, potentially derail your season anyway. So it's certainly a possibility that Atlanta could be in on Jamison Williams, and it wouldn't be bad. I just, I, I just, I think I like the combination of Garrett Wilson. I think I like the combination mm-hmm. of Kyle Pitts, of those two working together, and then going to find out, find the quarterback that could work with those two. But Jamison Williams to Atlanta is certainly something that could work. All right, very good. How about Seattle at nine? They have a lot of different areas that they could go in as well. Uh, of course. The, there's a lot of change in Seattle. No Russell Wilson now. They got Drew Locke in as their quarterback. Uh, I mean, they had they got some other players. They got these picks now, uh, making up for the Jamal Adams trade here, getting that first-round pick back. Where do you like the Seahawks going? I, I, first things first, the Seattle Seahawks are just a very, very confusing team. You mm-hmm. move on from Russell Wilson. You have Pete Carroll, you know, who's in his 70s. It kind of looks like you're rebuilding, but yet your head coach is in his 70s. So, you know, are you in this year or you're not? Mm-hmm. I mean, I truly don't know what the Seattle Seahawks, what exactly their game plan is as far as that. Um, but what do you do? You know, you, you got to draft somebody. Um, so what do you do? You take a cornerback. Derek Stinley, uh, you go get, you know, they are not going to be shied away from the way Stinley's career went at LSU. Obviously, Pete Carroll dealt with plenty of talents like this in his days at USC. You know, players who were huge college players and were just basically biding their time so they can go make legit money in the NFL. Uh, so I think Derek, Derek Stingley, second quarterback, cornerback off the board, goes to Seattle. Again, year one is going to be a work in, process, you know, work in progress as they figure out you know, the future and where you know, basically they are headed as a franchise. But you go get a player like Derek Stingley Jr., and it's just one less hole you have to fill going down the line. Jets picking again, their second first-round pick at number 10. Who do you like the Jets taking? The Jets really, really like Jermaine Johnson. Um, uh, as far as, you know, you look at the, you know, the edges that played in San Francisco, long, lean, able to get off field, get around, you know, bend around the arc. Um, Jermaine Johnson could do all those things. Jermaine Johnson, if he wasn't going to be 24 years old in the fall, would probably be a player that would probably go top three, top four in this class. Um, Jets really like him. Um, they certainly need somebody that can get after the quarterback. Um, and the age doesn't really scare them because they don't really have necessarily the time to wait maybe uh for a guy to develop jermaine johnson is ready to go right now out of the box so the jets will take jermaine johnson at 10 overall 
They have been rumored in the, the Debo Samuel sweepstakes. Uh, now, the 49ers seem intent on keeping Debo, but if the a trade... If a trade does not happen here and the Jets, you know, interest has been known, do, could you see them going wide receiver here at 10? I think the problem is, as I mentioned earlier, is I think their hands are tied in the Mackay Becton situation. Um, if they are not keeping Mackay Becton, they have to get a left tackle. You mm-hmm. cannot have Zach Wilson go out there in year two um, you know, without somebody that you trust, you know, basically handling his blind side. I would think so, yes, but I do believe that they can find a wide receiver at 35 mm-hmm. or Mackay Becton. Mackay Becton could bring you a top 64 pick so i think with you know either pick 35 or the pick they can get from akai becton there's a way to get another wide receiver in the fold the jets have wide receivers it's a question of getting them to perform to their abilities that's the issue with the jets Mm -hmm. it's not whether or not they have wide receivers it's getting these wide receivers and this quarterback on the same page and Robert Sala has had great pass rushers in San Francisco. He could get that with Jermaine Johnson here at the Jets at 10. 11 and the first ever pick by the Washington Commanders. You know, now, now that they're known for. Uh, I mean, Washington fans need some good news because it, it's just the bad news with this team, the, the toxicity around them, it's just bad. Get them excited about something. Who do you have Washington taking at 11? If there's one thing you like about the Washington Commanders, and I'll be honest, they should have just stuck with Washington football team. It was yeah, unique. I it was agree. original. I agree. But if they have one thing going for them, it is the defensive side of the ball. They're a solid defensive unit. Um, and Kyle Hamilton, this is probably a little bit of a slide for Kyle Hamilton. I think people are a little bit scared away from the testing. Me, personally, I'm not. When you see a player in college lined up on one hash mark and he is making plays on the opposite sideline, I have no question about whether or not his athletic ability and range are going to be able to suffice in the NFL. Um, you know, obviously, safeties, it's very, very difficult for a safety to go top 10. Jamal Adams, we saw how that worked out. Obviously, the return of that investment never came to fruition for the New York Jets. It's certainly not come to fruition for the Seattle Seahawks to this point. But at 11, a guy with Kyle Hamilton's range. Chase Young coming back off the of injury, a good defense in Washington. I'm not sold on Carson Wentz by any means whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I'm Washington, I am going to put more into what is the positive of my team, the defensive side of the ball. So Kyle Hamilton, for me, makes a ton of sense for the Washington Commanders. All right. And I think Vikings fans everywhere would be very disappointed by that because Hamilton, I think, is a guy that – that they would like, you know, the, the Golden Domer, like Harrison Smith. It could pair him up. That would be really exciting. And now, it, with the way this board has has fallen here, if that's the way it does here in your mock draft, the Vikings are in a spot where, you know, the defensive end, uh, it, you don't really have anything. You have the corners. Maybe is this a spot with Trent McDuffie coming into play? Or do you just say, you know what, we're going to try and outscore the Packers, so let's get a wide receiver. There are plenty of wide receiver-rich uh, you know, needy teams as well. So maybe they would trade down. That's, a, I think, a, a possibility as well. Actually, one that I would hope for as a Vikings fan, you can maybe get a first-round pick next year. But where do you have the Vikings? Uh, who do you have the Vikings selecting here? I have the Minnesota Vikings going with the absolute nut job athletic freak in this class that is Jordan Davis. Um, I think the Vikings are in a position where they can allot him a little time to get a little bit more... Um, comfortable to be able to find more of a role in passing situations. Um, but look, you know, you know, players like Aaron Jones, you want, you want to stop Aaron Jones from killing you in the passing game? Have a player like Jordan Davis make sure he does not get out into a route. Um, Jordan Davis can blow up the middle. His athleticism is second to none. He probably comes in as the most athletic defensive tackle in the NFL the first day he's in the NFL um, gives you an opportunity to clog up the middle, uh, you know, makes things just a little bit easier on everybody on that defense. And hopefully Minnesota can find a way to get off the field because with Dalvin Cook, with Justin Jefferson, with Kirk Cousins, when they are rolling, they can pick up yards. They mm-hmm. can score points. The problem has been at times is they can't get their offense on the field enough. And hopefully a player like Jordan Davis can create some more, you know, three and outs, things of that nature for this Vikings defense. If the board were to shake out differently, is there another guy that you would say is an ideal fit uh, for pick 12 for the Vikings if they were happen to be available? 
I would say secondary play would be definitely where I would look to go next. Okay. Um, the problem I have is I really like this safety class, um, but even Kyle Hamilton feels like a little bit of a stretch at 11. Um, and for these other guys, I think they're they're great, great players. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, here at 12 is a little rich. You tell me once we start getting into the 20s, a lot more of these safeties have a lot, lot more appeal, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, if Derek Stingley fell to them, oh my gosh, please take him. You know, the, their you know defensive coordinator certainly or, from LSU. So hopefully that's the case. But I, I think Vikings fans would be very happy with Jordan Davis as well. Houston Texans at thirteen, making their second selection. Who do you like them taking? Well, if you did, you know, you went, you got a gift for the defensive side of the ball here. Um, now you're going to want to do maybe something for the offensive side of the ball here. For me, the one wide receiver, and it's been this case for the entire draft process, I I don't understand why Chris Olave is not viewed as a higher player, is not viewed as, you know, one of the top top three wide receivers in this class. Yes, obviously, you know, Miller, you know, maybe looks like he's a little bit more athletic. The potential of Jamison Williams as a deep Jamison Williams as a deep threat is just crazy, crazy appealing. But you look, I look at a player like Chris Olave, and he already runs every route you're looking for. Um, he knows how to, you know, read the safety as he is pushing away from the cornerback, headed towards the safety. He knows how to position himself to not take a big hit. Knows how to position himself to get you know best opportunity to hold on to the ball. Chris Olave is a special, special player. Houston, are you still sold on Davis Mills? I don't know. But the best way to find out if you truly are sold on Davis Mills is to get him a solid, solid weapon, a guy who looks like a pro, plays like a pro already. And for me, Chris Olave is that wide receiver in this class. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I agree. I love Olave. I think he's going to be good wherever he goes. 14 in Baltimore. Baltimore uh, didn't make the playoffs last year. They have a few holes, and maybe they won't get as injured this year as they did last year in practice. Uh, That would be helpful for them. Where do you have Baltimore? Who do you have Baltimore selecting? Uh, for me, the Baltimore Ravens, um, I look at this and I see a player like Andrew Booth. Um, they need corner help, uh, the Ravens do. Um, you, you have you know one corner returning off the injury. The secondary play has slipped a, a ton in Baltimore. Um, Andrew Booth had a Clemson special player, not talked about enough as a cornerback in this class. Um, he comes in. He can take one of the island spots. You got to understand. Cleveland has a you know upgraded quarterback position now and the wide receiver position with Amari Cooper. Cincinnati Bengals. You got to find some way to cover Boyd Higgins and of course Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. So the Ravens get that guy in Andrew Booth Jr. Eagles making their first of two selections. There's been talk that maybe they're trying to trade up, but if they stay put at 15, who do you like the Eagles taking? This is where I like Jamison Williams going. Um, you have two wide receivers already. You can afford to wait on Jamison Williams. Um, the other two receivers you have, the one thing that they truly are not is a huge, huge vertical presence. Jalen Rager has proved it to this point. That would do nothing for me for stopping from Jamison Williams. Um, you look at a combination of Smith, uh, Devontae Smith and Jamison Williams going down the road. That looks like an excellent pairing at the wide receiver position. If I'm the Eagles, this is an absolute no-brainer for me. Mm-hmm. Yep, you pair him up with his Alabama teammate. That's that's a pretty good spot there. How about the New Orleans Saints at 16? I think the New Orleans Saints look at Kenny Pickett and think Kenny Pickett has a lot of degrees to him. Um, and for, you know, look, you know, Jamison Winston obviously coming back off the knee injury, Taysom Hill, this the Saints have to get a quarterback in there. Um, do you start the season with Jamison Winston? Sure. Do I think Kenny Pickett in a dome, then getting to play road games in Tampa, a road game in Carolina, a road game in Atlanta. So, you know what? We want to talk about those small hands, put it in a position where small hands aren't going to be an issue. Kenny Pickett, New Orleans Saints. I don't necessarily think he'd be the first quarterback off the board. But, again, we're just trying to pair players to teams in this scenario here. Mm-hmm. So Kenny Pickett, 16 overall to the New Orleans Saints. Pittsburgh or, uh, you know, Pittsburgh Panthers quarterback, first quarterback taken here in this draft. The Chargers at 17. They address defense, uh, the defensive side of the football and free agency and uh, via trade with Khalil Mack. Where do the Chargers go? Are they going to give Justin Herbert another offensive weapon to throw to or maybe someone to protect the franchise? I am protecting the franchise, find the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, they need help on the interior. Zion Johnson out of Boston College, 
wowed people at the Senior Bowl with his first experience ever playing center. Um, and it kind of maybe got people to forgot that he's one of the top guards, if not the top guard in this draft. Um, you saw when the Chargers struggled, there was you know problems of you know the pocket getting collapsed, Justin Herbert not being able to get out. Um, Zion Johnson changes that, and look, the AFC West is going to be crazy this year. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody is basically, except for maybe the Chiefs, who basically you know <laughs> kind of uh, did not basically go all in. Everybody else in the division did, mm-hmm. and for the Chargers, the one thing you're going to have to do is make sure if you were thinking that Justin Herbert could be the difference in that division, you better make sure that you've got proper protection for Justin Herbert. Absolutely. Eagles making their second selection at 18. Who do you like the Eagles going uh, after? I think the Eagles here are going to look at a player like Devin Lloyd. Yes, he's a little bit older, but I think the Eagles are looking at this, that they need you know a little bit of leadership on that defense. Sideline to sideline, linebacker. Um, if you want to, you can put him on an edge in pass rushing situations, let him get after the quarterback. Smart player, intelligent player, covers well, um, blitzes well, um, again, a little bit older, um, so there's, there's going to certainly be some teams that maybe aren't you know, in on the Devin Lloyd uh, train, but the Eagles get an instant leader right away um, on that defensive side of the ball here, and I think that's something that can really, really you know, help the Eagles going further. I don't think Lloyd falls past 21 to, uh, to the Patriots. Yeah, I, I, I got to be honest, there's a bunch of players that just scream Bill Belichick, but we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> 19 and the Saints making a second selection here. They went quarterback. Uh, where do they go here with their second pick? I think the Saints need to be in on the wide receiver game here. Um, obviously, Michael Thomas has disappointed a lot over the last year and a half with injuries. He is making a ton of money. The Saints would have loved to move him this year if they could. Nobody was touching Michael Thomas in that contract. Mm-hmm. Next year, it gets a little bit easier to move on from him. So you want to get somebody in here now. Who can you know be ready to maybe be that guy you know in year two? I have Drake London going here from USC. Um, certainly, there's questions about the athleticism. We didn't get any testing, I understand, but guy was a former basketball player at USC, so you know there's some athletic traits within that body. Um, with a player like Kenny Pickett. Um, I think one of the things that you really like about Drake London is I don't think the athleticism matters. I mean, you know, you look at the size, you look at the wingspan. Um, there's going to be times where he's covered, and it's just not going to matter because of the size, uh, you know, the size factor that he's got. Um, certainly, obviously, has the ability to high point as a former basketball player. You get him in here, he gets to you know basically refine his game year one, and then look to be wide receiver one for them when he heads into year two. Contested passes—that's a big thing, and uh, plus Jameis Winston is likely to throw a few picks. So uh, I mean, if he's going to throw into uh, precarious situations or into traffic, have someone who can maybe snag a ball and, and work on those fifty-fifty balls. So that's a great spot there for Drake London. How about the Pittsburgh Steelers now at twenty? Very few teams are linked to a position. Like the Steelers are linked to quarterback. I don't think Mitch Trubisky is the long-term answer solution for them. Do they go quarterback here or do they go a different spot? I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are probably the number one trade-up candidate in this draft. Um, And this is the thing as far as the quarterback position is we don't truly know what the you know Pittsburgh Steelers flavor for a quarterback is um you know uh obviously you know Ben Roethlisberger was there when the head coach was brought in um so for all this time they were paired together you know Mike Thomas is now going to get an opportunity to go out and find his quarterback I think Malik Wills is a player they love I think they love his speed I think they love the the, the player he is um they understand that he is not ready to go right away He's got arm strength. He can throw the ball. I mean, he can throw it a country mile. The problem is, is, you know, can he throw a changeup, you know, to a tight end on third and four to get five yards? Mm-hmm. Those are things we're going to have to work here. But I think Malik Willis, and I think somehow, some way, Pittsburgh Steelers, if it gets to where Malik Willis has not been drafted in the top 10, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to do everything they can to go north and make sure that they get this guy. I agree. I think the 12th, uh, spot 12 with the Minnesota Vikings. There you go. There you go. Excellent job there. Uh, New England Patriots here at 21. Uh, You say there are a lot of guys that just scream Bill Belichick. Uh, Give me some of them and uh, who do you think they're actually going to pick? Uh, well, I think Devin Lloyd was one of them. There's no question about that. I think you look at a player like Lewis Sign out of Georgia, a versatile safety, a smart safety who can do several things. I think that's a player that's got a ton of appeal for them. Daxton Hill, for me, though, will be the guy. 
This guy can play the slot. He can play deep safety. He's effective against the run. You think of Bill Belichick, what are you looking for? You were looking for smart, intelligent, versatile football players. Taxton Hill is one of these guys. He can come right in. He'll eventually be you know, the replacement for McCourty in the long term. But you get a guy who comes in here NFL ready in his mind, in his body. And for Bill Belichick, you know, that is just something that, you know, he values more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Football intelligence, you know, love of the game. And these are all the positives that people talk about with a player like Daxton Hill. Green Bay Packers making their first of two selections here. Obviously, they got rid of Devontae Adams. Uh, so you're going to need to give Aaron Rodgers a weapon, but they haven't done like this is not the mo for the Packers. They don't draft wide receivers in the first round. What was the last one? It was like Javon Walker in 2002, something crazy like that. They're going to have to do it with one of their selections, you would think. But yes, maybe yes. not. So wait, where do you have the Packers going at 22? If I'm the Packers, first things first, I am going to take a wide receiver right here at 22, and most of it's going to be to shut Aaron Rodgers the hell up. Because if I don't, I am going to have to hear about it, and it'll be you know subtle shots from the quarterback at the organization after we just gave him $50 million a year. I think Traylon Burks. Um, you look at Traylon Burks here, and yes, it wasn't the greatest draft process. Um, the size, he was a little bit smaller than advertised. It is what it is. Um, but I think a player going out there to play in Green Bay, going out there to play in the elements, he, he is still a big physical receiver. He is people, because they don't view him as super speed guy, you know, sub 4-4, four, four, they think he's slow. He's not. Once he's in the open field, nobody catches Traylon Burks from behind. Um, uh, the ability, you know, a former, you know, big-time baseball player in his younger days, obviously the ability to track the ball is there. Um, he comes in here uh, with Alan Lazard. These are bigger physical wide receivers. Um, just get open, 12 will find you the ball. But Traylon Burks, in my opinion, be perfect at 22 for the Green Bay Packers. Any thoughts on maybe a Jahan Dotson here? I think Jahan Dotson, um, and look, Jahan Dotson's another one that did wow athletically here. Doesn't necessarily have the size of a Traylon Burks. Um, maybe the pairing is there. And look, I feel bad for any one of these wide receivers because, I, you know, you're going to go in there at 22 and Aaron Rodgers is going to treat you like you've been here for seven years. Yeah, pressure's um, on. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be, yeah, there's going to be, yeah, there'll be no rookie curve for any of these wide receivers. Um, Jahan Dotson, I like, I just, I, Jahan Dotson for me is a player I just don't see ending up in round one, even as much as I love Jahan Dotson. Okay. Uh, Arizona Cardinals here at pick 23. A lot of, uh, consternation, I think, maybe in Cardinals uh, camp and Cardinals nation here with what's going on with Kyler Murray. Do you maybe get another weapon for him? Do you address the offensive line, defensive side of the football? Where do you like the Cardinals going? I don't really have that much of an issue with the Cardinals offense. I mean, look, we're talking about a team that was 7-0 and last year and was the darling of mm-hmm. the NFL. Yeah, it fell apart when Kyler, Mar- Kyler Murray got hurt. Um, but also a lot of that was on the defensive side of the ball. They were not stopping people away with regularity what they had been during the seven-game winning streak. There's a lot of connections, it seems to be, between the Arizona Cardinals and defensive end George Karloftis out of Purdue. Um, George Karloftis, for me, would be probably a really good selection here for the Cardinals. Um, you get a guy who can come in here, can get after the passer. He's an uber athlete. Um, you know, Cardinals need more on that defense. Part of this is because they drafted these two linebackers in two drafts in a row. They have not gotten the return on the investment on that part. That's not Kyler Murray's fault. Mm-hmm. That is not the offensive side of the ball's fault. That's not the head coach's fault. Um, they need to get better players on defense. They need to atone for the mistakes they've made and the players they've drafted for that defense. A player like George Karloftis can do that. Dallas Cowboys here at 24. They may, uh, We know Jerry Jones likes shiny toys, so maybe they go a wide receiver here to help replace Amari Cooper. Uh, Jerry Jones likes to lie about the picks that he was going to make or maybe he did make and didn't make and whatnot, but they also need to address the offensive line. So... Uh, Cowboys could go in a number of different directions here. Where do you like Dallas going? I have actually the Cowboys, and it's not sexy by any means, and I'm sure the Cowboys fans and Jerry Jones probably would hate this pick. Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M. They need to solidify their interior as well. Dak Prescott is the engine that makes everything go in Dallas. When he is healthy, he is clean. He can throw the ball with anybody in the NFL. Um, so you need to uh, you basically replenish some of what you've lost on that offensive line. Get Kenyon Green in here, day one starter at the guard position, and soon have the ability 
uh, you know, for the offense to flourish as we start to see this transition from Ezekiel Elliott, maybe to Tony Pollard. Um, but look, CeeDee Lamb is a world beater. You re-signed Michael Gallup. You can get a receiver later on in the draft to add to that group. Um, you need to fortify this offensive line, first and foremost. Traylon Burks, if he were available, just the Arkansas connection, that would be an intriguing uh, – Oh, I, I wouldn't put it past Jerry to trade up. It, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't put it past him to trade up for Traylon Burks. That's for darn sure. Yeah, absolutely. Buffalo Bills here. I have a – my pick here is probably way off. I have a pick in Brees Hall, the running back from Iowa State. <laughs> I I don't know if – like, they need to solidify – I, I'm not laughing with you. My actual selection here for – if I look at the Buffalo Bills, and the first things first, you look at that team and you say, what is the one thing they're missing? First thing I say is nothing. They literally yeah. aren't missing a thing. So what is maybe the one thing? And look, the Bills are good, um, but you see sometimes when they get into, you know, obviously the playoff game last year against the Kansas City Chiefs, that's truly not their style. Mm-hmm. They, they would like to shorten these games a little bit. You know, as much as Josh Allen can do all those things, the smarter approach here for Buffalo is to say, look, we don't want to play 37-34 shootouts. Yep. We'd rather win a game 34-20. Their defense is stronger. The defense is strong. But how are you going to solve that? By running the ball with more consistency. Um, and for me, Brees Hall is that guy. Oh, I think Brees yes. Hall gives me a lot of what Jonathan Taylor does for the Indianapolis Colts. And that is truly the only weakness. And I don't even think it's that big of a weakness. But if I look at the Bills, I think that is something. And maybe it's not the selection here at 25. They could move down. There may be another running back that they have their eyes on. Mm -hmm. But if I'm the Buffalo Bills, I I, I think running back and finding a way to shorten games here so their defense doesn't get tired out late in some of these shootouts, Brees Hall for me, for the Bills. It's a ton of sense. I promise we didn't uh, didn't discuss this at all previously, and I have (laughs) not seen this a lot. It seems like it's kind of – I think Daniel Jeremiahson maybe has him in, like, his top 28 or what – you know, top 30 uh, players overall. So I'm glad that you and I are on the same wavelength here. And you can't have Josh Allen be your team's leading rusher game after game. That's just not a way uh, to sustain not only him, like him long-term, but, you know, to have success on offense. So I love that we have this same pick here. That makes me feel much better about uh, my thought process there. The Tennessee Titans at 26. Uh, They did get Robert Woods in the offseason in a trade with the Rams. He's you know, does have a, he's coming off of a torn ACL, so there is some issues there. They could go offensive line here. Where do you like the Titans going? If I'm the Tennessee Titans, um, what we've seen the last few years is I think we've seen from the Tennessee Titans that we know how far Ryan Tannehill can take them. Um, and it's not a knock. Look, a lot of teams would love to have the success and be regular playoff teams year in, year out, like the Tennessee Titans have. You look at the defensive side of the ball, re-signed Harold Landry. You're going to eventually re-sign Jeffrey Simmons, who's maybe one of the second, third, fourth best defensive tackles in the game. Um, I'm looking at the offensive side of the ball here, and I'm looking at Ryan Tannehill, and it's good. It's good with Ryan Tannehill. I don't think it's good enough. Um, so I need to see, you know, what the future is going to be. I don't think, you know, I, I think there's a really good chance Ryan Tannehill is not the quarterback for the Tennessee Titans in 2023. So you need to start, you know, basically peeking behind that window. Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati, a oh. long storied career at Cincinnati. Um, granted, there are some flaws to his game. This is why we're talking about a guy who's going to go in the mid 20s as opposed to a player that's going to go in the top 10. He is good athletically as well, which Tennessee likes. He is a smart, confident thrower of the ball. I think Tennessee needs to start realizing that if this momentum that they've had over the last few years is going to continue, it's going to have to figure out who is going to be the future behind Ryan Tannehill. You get a guy who carries himself like a pro, extremely mature, and certainly battle-proven in all his years in Cincinnati. I like Desmond Ritter going to the Tennessee Titans at pick 26. Wow, that is a, that is a great pick there. A very interesting pick with the Titans because they are in that division with the Colts where you, you can compete with them. Like the, it's a very weak division overall. You're just facing Indianapolis, and Tennessee has had their number in years past. Uh, Ritter being the third quarterback, I, I think one of the – the what I'm going to claim is a you know quote unquote bold prediction here is that I'll take the over on two and a half quarterbacks being drafted in the first round. This would give us three quarterbacks drafted in the first round here. Do you 
do you really think that we're going to see three, at least three quarterbacks get drafted here in the first round come Thursday night? I think we are. It's it, it, the problem. I mean, even though it, we, if nobody loves this quarterback class, you can't just say, you know, if you're a team that's got a poor quarterback room, say, well, we didn't like this guy enough. Mm-hmm. You, you, you've got to answer to ownership. You got to answer to fans. You know, you can't just say, oh, well, we like last, you know, not everybody can say, oh, well, we think next year's class is much better. So you can't have six, seven NFL teams telling their fan bases, telling their ownership, well, it's not a really great quarterback class. So, you know, we'll, we'll just, you know, we'll hope that we stink this year and mm-hmm. we're drafting top five next year. It just doesn't work that way. Right, right. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers here at 27. Their their offseason plans changed with the uh, with the retirement of Tom Brady, and then they changed again when he came back. Who do you like the Buccaneers going with here? And, of course, now they have a new uh, change in head coach with Todd Bowles taking over for Bruce Arians. This is a player I don't think would go round one to any other team except the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, he's going to be 24 in the fall. He's an older player. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, there is one thing that is basically going on for this team this year. We want to go win another Super Bowl. That's mm-hmm. what Tom Brady coming back, basically, that's what it says. That's what it means. We're going to go try and win a Super Bowl. So Devontae Wyatt, defensive tackle out of Georgia, again, he is not going to be somebody that's uh, you know for everybody on everybody's draft boards necessarily. But a 24-year-old defensive tackle who is stout against the run can find his way to the backfield when needed. Devontae Wyatt would be a solid, solid pick for Tampa Bay. They certainly need to help on the interior. It doesn't look like Ndamukong and Sue is coming back. So Devontae Wyatt to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is something that probably works for both the parties involved. Packers at 28, uh, making their second selection in the first round. The Packers are interesting here, but, uh, you know, I think this is going to be the year of the Packers where they address offensive side of the ball both times. Um, so I think they're going to go get Northern Iowa offensive tackle Trevor Penning. Plays with a mean streak. I think he and Bakhtiari make for a beautiful duo as far as your tackles. You can put them on the right side. Obviously, David Bakhtiari getting older in age. You know, you don't know how many more years he's going to be there. Penning can eventually be the player who switches to the left side when you move on from David Bakhtiari. But I think by moving on from Adams, giving all this money to Aaron Rodgers, once again, I think this is the year where the Packers basically said we are going to basically let Aaron Rodgers run this draft room. Well, that would be a bit of a, a change in, than in years past, but Aaron Rodgers would be one happy man with both of these selections. Chiefs making back-to-back picks here. Who do you like them taking at 29 and 30? If I'm the Chiefs, I'm looking to address both sides of the ball here. Um, and you know, moving on from Tyree Kill, you realize obviously you got to do something for the offense. Um, you, you knew you always had to do something for the defense, especially now playing in the AFC West. I look at a cornerback out of Florida, Kyrie Elam. He's a player that I think some folks think is going to be in that early round two discussion. Uh, for me, I think he is a good pick here. They don't have to rush him. Comes in, lengthens the DB room. So for me, Kyrie. Uh, Elam here for the Chiefs makes a ton of sense. And then at 30? If you're looking for one player in this draft who can maybe kind of be what Tyreek Hill was, um, and, you know, look, you know, the one thing, everybody kind of fell in love with Christian Watson and his time down in Mobile. But one thing, you know, I mean, talking about a player who dropped almost 20% of his passes, and it's not like North Dakota State was, you know, throwing the pill all over the yard. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there he can come in. He obviously has the speed, has the size that is going to force defenses to take notice of a player like Christian Watson. So you go corner here, you go wide receiver here with a player like Christian Watson. And he's not, you know, maybe it's a little high, but the Chiefs certainly need somebody equivalent at least athletically to what Tyreek Hill is so for them Christian Watson makes a ton of sense here it allows you to you know have the keep defenses honest and deep allow to work the middle for Travis Kelsey so for them that's a no-brainer for me here for the Chiefs is to go get Christian Watson at pick 30. The Cincinnati Bengals at 31 we never talk about the Bengals drafting this low in the first round we always talk about them drafting high uh, complete you know the, the surprise team of the year last year where do the Bengals go to address their biggest need? There's no for me the Bengals. Look, I, I like that they put effort in to improve this offensive line in the offseason. 
Uh, I'm not astounded by what they did. Is it better than what they had? Yes. Is it commensatory to the level uh, that you need to protect a player of Joe Burrow's level and skill? I don't think so. There's a tough spot here for a player like Trevor Lindenbaum because, A, number one, there's only 32 centers in the NFL. So a lot of teams, they have their center. It's taken care of. It's not something that it's an issue. Cincinnati, they signed one. They could easily put him at guard, let Lindenbaum be the middle here. Um, he has no other versatility. He is a center alone. He can't go play guard. So a player like Trevor Lindenbaum coming in here to be uh, the center for this Bengals team going further, uh, the signal caller for Joe Burrow, it, it makes a ton of sense here for the Bengals. And finally, the Detroit Lions, not the Super Bowl champions, they are picking for the Los Angeles Rams from the Matthew Stafford-Jared Goff trade, but the Lions making their second selection in the first round and the final pick in the first round. For me, this is, uh, and this is actually kind of ironic because obviously you talk about this pick being you know, number 32 overall. It was the Rams pick. It was the pick acquired, you know, Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff. And if you're the Lions here, you also have selection number 34. Um, you know, there still will be a quality safety available for the Lions at 34. That is a position they desperately, desperately need help with. Um, you could make a bar bit with some of your friends as to who the Lions safeties are. You would win it every time because <laughs> nobody knows who the Lions safeties are. But you also want to be able to look at what will be the future at the quarterback position. Jared Goff did nothing to wow you last year. So you want to get somebody else in here. Matt Corral, for me, is a quarterback that I think a lot of people are sleeping on in the 2022 NFL draft. Um, you, you look at some of this tape, and you keep in mind he's doing this against SEC teams, um, throwing the ball all over the place. A lot of success with a player like Elijah Moore, who was a darling as a rookie receiver last year for the New York Jets. You know, the Lions get him. You now basically have your present at the quarterback position. You have your future at the quarterback position. And for this Lions team, maybe this is a team that's, you know, maybe moving out of being, you know, the butt of all the NFL jokes. Yeah, well, you know, they're going to be on hard knocks. They're getting the draft next year. Uh, and maybe things are looking up for Detroit after all. This is a I, would be a stellar draft. I, I am very... I'm just impressed that we had Brees Hall at Buffalo. Like that's the that's the pick uh, that I am most happy about here. Uh, but this is just an exciting time, and you know, for for NFL fans, it, it gives you hope springs eternal in the spring and with the NFL draft, and it should be a lot of fun. Uh, any other final thoughts uh, before we enter the NFL draft? I think I think we're gonna look at this maybe in a year or two. And we're going to see that a lot of these safeties went in a round two. You know, some of these receivers that went in a round two, maybe they were worthy of being round one selections. Maybe these quarterbacks don't pan out. And you know, sadly, it's going to you know, cost some, you know, some coaches their jobs, some front office guys their jobs, because they were in a situation where maybe they were tied to a position, not necessarily tied to the player. But, you know, it's, it's just the way the business works. But, you know, again, as we said in the beginning here, um, if you just truly enjoy the NFL draft, it's going to be fun to sit down starting Thursday night and not say, oh, well, we knew that pick was coming. We knew that pick was coming. We knew that pick was coming. I mean, this is going to be one where it's truly going to be, you know, essentially potluck because I don't think there is much etched in stone to this point for anybody. Absolutely agree. Jeff, I always appreciate the time. Great work here. Uh, enjoy the draft uh, and uh, maybe we'll get some time here next week to, to just get our thoughts and collect our breath over what should be a magnificent three days there in Vegas. Always appreciate the time. Uh, best of luck with your mock draft and, and we'll talk soon. Thanks as always. Take care, Nathan. Anytime. Thank you, Jeff. Jeff Lloyd, the second from the Lockdown Browns podcast. Uh, blown away that we have the same pick for the Bills. Brees Hall, I have been, uh, I've not seen a lot of this. It's going to be in there. Uh, of course, our uh, draft, our, our mock draft in the blog is going to be a little different than what Travis and I had earlier in the podcast. But Brees Hall, that's what I have. That's what Jeff has. It feels great. And uh, we are certainly 
looking forward to the NFL draft. It's going to be a fun time. The draft is on Thursday night, April 29th. You can, or April 28th, excuse me. Uh, Friday, April 29th, and Saturday, April 30th. You can catch it on ESPN, ABC, and the NFL Network. I know I'll be watching a lot of the NFL Network, uh, but it should be a great time. So, uh, Jeff is, you can find all of Jeff's thoughts and his picks and stuff um, on uh, Twitter at Jeff underscore Lloyd underscore. Oh, you know, I always get that screwed up here. So let me just make sure I get it here for you. Uh, Locked on Browns at Locked on Browns. Be sure to follow him there at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd is his Twitter handle. Follow him. He's a great follow. And um, yeah, uh, just always appreciate his time and his his thoughtfulness is thorough. He's just great. He really is. So that would be quite the mock draft here. Hopefully you enjoyed this uh, week and this year's edition of the NFL Mock Drafts uh, Extraordinaire here on the Sports Block Podcast. Uh, that will wrap up this week's edition and this year's NFL Mock Draft Extraordinaire. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Facebook Nathan Stacken, Travis on Twitter at Travis Krenz. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. Listen to this. Hopefully you listen to it before the draft. If not listen to it during. Listen to it after. Just see how right or wrong we were. But enjoy the NFL draft. It's a great event. It's a lot of fun. We look forward to it every year. And this is truly one of our favorite podcasts to do. So for all of us here at the Sports Block Podcast, for Jeff and for Travis, I'm Nathan. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the NFL draft. Good luck to your favorite team out there, unless you're a Packers fan. Uh, in which case, go defensive side of the football and make Aaron Rodgers mad. So for all of us here at the Sports Block Podcast, for Jeff and Travis, I'm Nathan. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the NFL draft, and we'll talk to you next week with plenty of draft reaction. NHL and NBA playoff talk, as well as baseball and whatever else we need to fit in. So for all of us here, again, Nathan Sacken saying thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Enjoy the NFL Draft, everyone.